All right, turn your Bibles to Psalms 1, but we're going to the book of Proverbs to study. But we're going to take our text from there because we're studying characters or pictures in the book of Proverbs. I do want to mention a couple of things. Brother Lewis Clark and I went to prison Monday night, had a good class. I appreciate you praying for us. I appreciate how God's using him to build a bridge for our men to get in there and minister. And also... I saw, uh, now tonight's the last night for the boys and girls are trying to raise, they, they compete, they raise money, eventually will send that money to a missionary family or child. And I saw a lot of men bringing a lot of coins and money in tonight, so I'm encouraged. Amen. <laughs> we might actually win this year. It's very possible. And so we'll see how it goes. Amen. We'll see. Amen. The girls are pretty competitive, though. And, uh, but I want you to look in Psalm 1. This is a very, very, very serious character that we need to study tonight. And, and at all costs, at all costs, you want to find yourself not in this guy's shoes. You do not want to be this individual that we're going to describe. And he is all over the book of Proverbs. At all costs, you want to avoid being this particular man. All right? Our young man, our young lady. Look in, in, in um, Psalm 1, verse 1. Listen carefully. If you don't have your Bibles, listen carefully. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And this is the way of receiving some of God's blessings in your everyday life. He said, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and you'll bring forth fruit in your season, and your leaf will not wither, and whatever you do shall prosper. That God will help you to advance. And, and verse number 1 now, he's saying that if you'll avoid these things, if you will avoid, somebody's got your ear. Somebody's influencing you. Somebody is impacting you. And he says, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. If the people that are talking to you and giving you advice are not godly, they're not in church, they're not doing what's right, don't listen to what they have to say. And he says, nor stand in the way of sinners, meaning don't go down their path. But he also says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Let's talk about the scorner tonight. He is all over the book of Proverbs. The scorner. I want you to turn with me now to Proverbs. And look with me, please, in chapter 1, verse number 22. If you have any fear of God, if you have any love for God, you want to stay away from being this individual. Because there is nothing but bad that's going to happen to this guy down the road. Right, right. God is very serious about this attitude. Yes. I mean, he is, if you, again, if you have any fear of God, if you have any love for God, please avoid this. Right. I beg you. In Proverbs chapter number 1, we're going to look at a verse there. But let's talk about the definition first, okay? And the Bible teaches us that God will bless any person who does not possess this attitude. And it's an attitude. So, 
definition. I'm going to give you three areas of definitions. One from the Hebrew, one from the Greek, and one from the English. When you think about a scorner, what do you think? What is your explanation, definition, description of somebody who is a scorner? Anyone? Being ugly in in an unfair way. Okay. Being ugly to other people. Okay. Always criticizing. Always criticizing people. Okay. Anyone else? He mocks the things of God. He mocks the things of God. Okay. Anybody else? All right. Let me give you the three definitions that are found in the one is in the Hebrew dictionary. It means to make mouths at or to scoff. In other words, you know, it's just little things that he says like, huh. You know what I mean like that? You, you say something or they hear a parent say something or they hear a teacher say something or their boss say something and they say, huh. And they scoff at those who are in authority when they have something to say. Uh, it means to mock, as he said, and that can be done, usually it's done by laughter. Like I just said, or they'll say, you know, they'll, <laughs> sure. You know, stuff like that. Rolling the eyes, scoffing, saying something under their breath, murmuring and, and, and being critical. It means to deride or to speak of or treat with contempt or ridicule when someone says something. All right. In the Greek, it means to laugh down or to deride. In the English, it means to scoff, to mock, to defy, or disregard. Now, if you remember reading through the book of Nehemiah, we've been studying as adults this on Sunday morning in Sunday school. There were some guys that came up to Nehemiah, and when he told them the plan that God had laid on his heart, what God was going to do, how he was going to rebuild everything, those guys came up, and the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. They mocked him. Sandalit, Tobiah, and Geshem. I had a preacher friend of mine who's going to be with the Lord now. He preached a message on those three guys. He called those guys the three buzzards in the church, is what he called them. The three buzzards in the church. One of their names means relative. One of them means, uh, I think, wet blanket. And uh, the other one means vain religion. Now, you think about that. That, that's, that. that is three buzzards in the church, isn't it? But they laughed him to scorn. Okay? And so let's, uh, let's think about uh, this. I want you to look in Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 22. He's mentioned in the very first chapter. The Bible says, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. And fools hate knowledge. So wisdom is crying out to each of us. And we have a choice of whether we can receive wisdom from God or not. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a fool. And so he says, if you'll turn at my reproach, he said, I'll pour out my spirit to you and I'll make my words known to you. He said, but he goes on to say, but I've called and you refused. And he said, I'm going to mock when your calamity comes. He said, you mocked me, you laughed at me. And the Lord said, okay, the time's coming of when some bad things are going to come your way and when, he said, I'm going to laugh at you. 
I'm going to mock you when this time comes. You say, well, right. God wouldn't do that. Well, read your Bible. Right. Okay, I'm just telling you that's what he says. Now, look with me in chapter number 9. Let's, let's see if we can find out some characteristics and see if we have any of those. And if we do, let's eliminate them. Right. Let's confess it. Let's ask God to forgive us. Amen. And then let's run away from it as far as the east is from the west. <clears throat> chapter 9, verse 7 and 8 says this. Here it talks about the scorner. One of the traits of a scorner, a common trait, is that he absolutely despises being corrected. True. He cannot take correction. And, and it doesn't matter how soft and nice you are about it. They cannot stand to be corrected. All right, now notice what he says in chapter 9, verse 7. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. Why? Because that guy is going to basically blow up, attack, and, and, and do whatever he can. Though you're trying to help him, he's going to attack you. You're trying to help him. He's attacking you. And he says, And he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. He says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee, rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. So when he says reprove not a scorner, though that's what he needs, you got to pick your time. When it comes to a scorner, if you detect that he's a scorner, you're going to have to be very careful in your timing of when you talk to him or you're going to make matters worse yeah. with him. In other words, you may say, yeah, but right now... You know, it's not the right time to talk to them. I'm not talking about looking for the perfect time. I'm talking about you got to be careful because God sometimes has to adjust a person's attitude before you can actually talk to them about sure. something. You do. You have to wait till the window's down, as we say, sometimes. You can't just, well, bless God, I'm going to go over and tell them how it is and how the cow eats the corn. And they might need to know how the cow eats the corn. But it might just make them hate you more rather than receive. You say, well, that's their problem, not mine. But there again is, are you being self-serving or do you really want what's in their best interest? And will you wait and do it at the right time if God gives you the opportunity to speak to them? So I hope you understand that. It takes some wisdom sometimes. I think you should always be careful in assuming the role of being the corrector. I think you need to be careful about that. But you also need the timing of when to correct the individual. Now, I'm not talking about a three-year-old. I'm not talking about a seven-year-old. Okay? We're not talking about that. All right. Now, notice with me in uh, chapter 15 real quick. Again, you'll, you'll see this, um, this common theme here. Chapter 15, verse number 12. The Bible says, A scorner... A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. You see that? Your pastor is not going to be liked by everybody that comes through those doors. See, one of the reasons why that you love me is because you want to be corrected. You want to be instructed. You want to grow. But there are people that come in that door 
that do not want anybody telling them what to do. You understand? They don't want their lives being corrected in any manner or form. And so, though you may love men that come through here, and listen, if you've got a mother and father that's honest with you and tries to help you or you've had that, you should be grateful for them. They're not your enemy. They are your friends in this respect. But a scorner loveth not one that reproveth him. In other words, they can't stand certain people who try to help them and who are honest with them. Neither will he go unto the wives. Well, you know what? I'd like some. I'd like to know how to do something. Well, go talk to brother and so and so. I'm not talking to him. Why not? Because a scorner doesn't want somebody observing him that's wise because a wise man can see through all the fog and the smoke and all the symptoms and see what the root of the problem is. And he doesn't want to see himself. He doesn't want to. Do you? Do you want God to show you some things that he's not pleased with? That's an attitude. That's an attitude that God's pleased with. Okay, now you'll notice something else. Look in chapter 13 with me, please. And look in verse number one. This starts in your it starts in your early years. It starts when you are a teenager. It starts when you are no longer on in in, in, in uh, you might say your adolescent years. Okay, but look in chapter thirteen, verse one. It says, "A wise son, a wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not." Rebuke. You see that he's got he's got a real attitude problem. Now listen, I know that some of them, some of us got saved later on in life, and maybe you were that way with your mom and dad. But you don't have to keep being that way. Right. You don't right. have to be that way now at the house of God. You don't have to be that way now when the Bible speaks to you. Right. You don't have to carry that trait into your Christian life. You've got to learn how to receive reproof, rebuke, and exhortation if you're yeah. going to grow. Amen. It's part of it. Yes. And and somebody that loves God wants to walk right and do right. They love people who point out, man, you're doing something wrong right here, brother. Right. This ain't going to work. You need to do this and this and this. You need to love that person, embrace that person, let that person be of influence in your life. Okay. Uh, look with me, please, in chapter 12 in verse number 1. He's all over this book. Now watch this, because, you know, instruction and correction is the way to get smart, wise, grow, change, and be successful. Yes. Amen? Amen. Okay, chapter 12, verse 1, look at this. Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. But he that hateth reproof is brutish. Now what does it mean to be brutish? Anybody ever say, man, he's just a big old brute? Huh? What do they mean when they say you're brutish? I'm sorry? Like an animal. God said, don't be like a stubborn mule. Don't, because what's going to happen is you're going to remain immature all your life. You're going to grow, but you're going to remain immature all your life and really, you're just going to be like a stupid ox. Like a dumb ox. That's what's going to happen to you. I'm, 
That's just the way it is. Right, right. God gives the human brain knowledge and, and ability to perceive and understand. Wisdom comes from above. Right, right. And God will withhold that from somebody who absolutely is scornful and mocking and brutish in their behavior. God will say, okay, you want to be a dummy? I'll let you be a dummy. Right. All right? Now, are y'all still with me? Amen. All right, look at chapter 22, verse number 10. You do not want to be this individual. Chapter 22, verse number 10. The Bible says this about the scorner. Everywhere the scorner is, usually it winds up being a contentious atmosphere. A contentious atmosphere. Chapter 22, verse 10 says, Cast out the scorner. And I want you to remember that verse because we'll look at it again later. But it says, Cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. If you show up in the house or at work, and there seems to always be an argument or fussing or fighting or contention. Every time that you show up, this shows up around you. And you blame everybody else. But the Bible says everywhere that you go, this shows up. Yeah. That means that I'm the problem or you're the problem if everywhere I go there's contention and strife and division that I've got an attitude problem that God's not going to bless. I don't want my family members to see me drive up and say, oh man, he's here. He's here. And you don't want that about you, do you? Okay. Now watch. Uh, look what he says here about him again. Let's, let's find our verse here. There are three traits regularly common among them. There's contention. That means you're always arguing. And it's usually an angry debate. It's not a friendly debate. It's okay to have a friendly debate. We can disagree. We can. Right. Okay? And, 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 and in America, we've lost this ability to be able to disagree with somebody without somebody thinking that we hate them. Right. I can disagree with you without hating you. Yes. Amen. I can. Yeah. All right. But there's contention, strife, always quarreling. Reproach means there's confusion and dishonor. What do you think this the, the problem is in this guy's heart? Well, let's look in chapter 28. What did you say? He thinks he's above everybody else. He he's above everybody else? And what causes that? Pride. Pride. All right, look in chapter 28. Let's see if that be so. The Bible says that it is uh, certain kinds of people that actually, they're like a... A spoon. Everywhere they go, they stir up something. You can call them. You can call them brother spoon. Okay. All right. Look in chapter twenty-eight, verse twenty-five. It says, "He that is of a proud heart." That is what he said. The scorner has a proud heart. Okay. He stirs up strife. But he that puts his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Referring to that man's soul and prosperity. 
in his life. But God will bless him and help him in this particular area. Now, look in chapter 29, verse number 22. Not only is there pride in his heart, but you'll notice something else. Something has happened in his life that he's not gotten over, and he's developed a spirit of anger. The Bible says that anger dwells in the bosom of a fool. Everybody in here has been done wrong in some form or fashion. And no doubt you have probably been hurt, disappointed, aggravated. But you can't let that stuff eat at you for the rest of your life. All right? The Bible says that anger rests in the bosom of a fool. Get mad, get right, and get over it. The Bible says in verse 22, an angry man, see, not only does a proud man stir up strife, but an angry man or an angry woman. That's why it says it's better for a man to dwell in the wilderness or on the top of his roof, exposed to the elements in that blazing sun than to dwell inside the house where there is an angry and a contentious woman. I don't like to be around people that are mad all the time. They make me mad. (laughs) Verse 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. This has to do, go back now to when he was younger, not able to take instruction, be corrected, and he is developing this spirit and this attitude And he devises contention everywhere that he goes. Now watch this. Near in chapter 29, look in verse number... I think I hope I'm in the right place here. Yeah, it's verse 8. Did you know a scornful man doesn't really care about his attitude and how it impacts others around him? He doesn't care. It's all about me. All right, verse 20, look at verse 8. Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away wrath. Now, this is a collective group here, and it looks like there may be an army or somebody outside that's fixing to do some damage, and the scorner doesn't care. He wants his way. He wants what he wants, and it doesn't matter how it impacts the family or how it impacts the city. But a wise man, the Bible says, he might be able to go out there and make peace for the sake of others. He'll do what's right for the sake of others. And sometimes you just have to bite your lip and do what's right for the sake of other people around yeah. you. But the scorner says, oh, man, I don't care about, I don't care how it affects everybody else. He says you'll bring a city into a snare. I don't know how these men uh, wind up in that position to be able to do that, but there are men in, in our country in leadership that have no place in leadership. And, and you cannot correct them. You cannot instruct them. They hate God, and they hate Republicans. That, or should I say they hurt, hate conservative yeah. Republicans, right. not rhinos. 
You're, you know what the, seriously, you know what a rhino is, right? Who doesn't know what a rhino is? I'm not talking about the animal. I'm not talking about the brute. That means a Republican in name only. Okay? And so they despise the righteous. A scorner despises and mocks the guy that totes his Bible and carries a gun and loves his wife and knows the difference between a male and a female. They they hate us. They scorn. Hollywood scorns churches like this and preachers like me. They exalt a Catholic priest on every movie. Yeah. They despise a preacher like me and Brother Byer and Brother Tucker. They make us look like knotheads and gourdheads, like we got no sense. They're scornful about the things of God. So be careful about overloading your brain with some of that stuff, lest you pick up on some of their attitudes about right. that. Okay? So, he, he, he derides the common good for other people because he's egotistical in his nature. Remember that wise woman that delivered the city? She used her wisdom to deliver the city from Joab's wrath. Remember her? And uh, and Abigail, she stayed the wrath of David, would have killed the whole family, but she was wise enough to appease his anger. But scornful men, no, they're not like that. The Jews of Antioch of Pisidia, they did not care. They scorned the men of God that came in. They could care less. And that's exactly the way that scorners are. Scorning is set on fire of hell. And it inflames and influences others. It disturbs the peace in a home Amen. and in a church yes. and, and even at a company. Right. So, what do you do? Well, look in chapter 19, if you can do it. You can't always control things. But in chapter 19, verse number 25, the Bible says he needs to be taken to the woodshed. Now, we won't allow that anymore, do we? Seriously, we don't. You know what would stop a lot of stuff if publicly somebody was flogged for doing something illegal and wicked and ungodly? And people saw some blood coming out the back. You say, that's cruel and mean. God knew what was affecting. Yeah, right. (laughs) Seriously. All right, but you say, look in chapter 19, verse 25. He says, smite a scorner. Smite a scorner. Smite him. What does a fool's mouth call for? A stroke. See, we've gotten so sissified in America that we can't follow the Word of God anymore without getting arrested. They have, have, uh, what can I say, the laws have, I don't know what I'm looking for here, Demasculated men, I guess, would be the word I'm, think, I'm thinking about. They've effeminized our country. Right. And smite or scorner, and the simple will beware. If a guy is causing trouble and stirring up trouble, back in the old days, they just somebody would take him out and just give him a good beating, and everybody else would settle down. Now, I'm not joking. It would not hurt for some folks just to get a good behind kicking. That's not in the Greek, but you understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) Smite a scorner. The simple will beware. And now, I can't do it. I've turned over to you because the pastor can't be a striker. But what if I were to point at somebody to you? (laughs) 
smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. And, and listen, when you've got somebody mocking in a class, and you've got other kids in that class, it is essential that you do something with this situation because it infects the other children. Right. It emboldens the other kids when somebody's mocking and scoffing. And the same is true inside the home and the household. When the parents and says uh, or, or the parents say something and somebody in there just laughs and mocks at the mother and the father, that's a grievous thing. Yes. So yes. I'm going to say that the, the destination for the scorner is going to be the the woodshed, and that word smite literally means to strike and beat and give him some wounds. Yeah. Did you know that the blueness of the wound cleanses away evil? That's right. We're so far removed. But words no longer affect him. Look in chapter 29, verse number 19. If, if he despises correction and he hates reproof, do you think that words are going to have any impact on him? What did I tell you to turn to? Okay, I just want to make sure you're listening. Verse 19, it says, A servant will not be corrected by words, but though he understand, he will not answer. And there are men who no longer can be corrected by words. Therefore, other methods are absolutely necessary in order to stop this from happening. And so if you're saying that you have somebody in your life or in your home as a man said, hey, I don't know what we're going to do. Man, everything's in an uproar around here. The Bible says at some point you might have to ask that individual to leave yeah. for the sake of the others. And, and if asking him to leave doesn't work, you may have to make him leave right. for the sake of others. Now, we've had to do that here before as a church years ago. A guy that uh, actually called the law on us in the parking lot, and we the law, but the, but the law turned and sent him away instead of of us. And I'm saying that God is interested in us being willing to be corrected yeah. and to be helped. I hope you believe that. Amen. Who enjoys being corrected? We are so egotistical that we don't like it when somebody loves us enough to correct us. Yeah. We need to embrace it. We need to embrace it. You need to go somewhere where somebody loves you enough to be honest with you, to tell you what you Good. need. All right, look in chapter 22. I mentioned earlier. We're going to look at a few more verses and we're done. We've got about five minutes, maybe ten. Look in chapter 22, verse number 10. Again, it's painful but necessary at times. I've asked them. I've asked them people to leave here before this church. I've asked over the twenty-seven years. I've asked only one or two, but I've asked them to leave because you could not reason with them, you could not correct them, that you could not instruct them, and they were causing nothing but pain for everybody else. Yeah, and that's painful to have to do that. Yes. But he says in verse number 10, Cast out the scorner 
and contention shall go out. And sometimes it has to take place. Those are drastic measures. But this is to prevent the scorner from sowing his seeds among those around. Okay? Now, I think i got a couple more verses marked there. Let's look in chapter 24, verse number 9. I don't remember what that verse says. Oh, yeah, here it is. Look at this. Verse 9 says, The thought of foolishness is sin, but the scorner, look at this, the scorner is an abomination to me. Now, you know what that means? It means that if, let's say in this group right here, that one of you started scoffing and mocking these teachings, the other people in this room who love God and who want the truth, they are going to wonder why you're not being dealt with and why are you still in the group if this is all you're going to do. You need to be out of here. In other words, they're going to look at you and say, hey man, there's something wrong with you. Now that's, that word abomination, that's a pretty strong word. Right, right. That's a, that's a, that means you're making them sick. Yeah. You're aggravating them. You're, you're, you're of grief of mind to them because of your attitude and your spirit. Okay, let's look at chapter 9, verse number 12. I don't enjoy teaching this lesson. I don't. But I certainly don't want you to be one. Yes. In chapter 9, verse number 12, it says, If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. If you seek after wisdom... And if you'll seek after God, it's going to bless you and benefit you. He said, but if thou scornest, thou alone shall bear it. And that means you are going to reap the consequences in your own life of having this attitude. Who, who can adjust your attitude? Number one is you. Now, I can remember when the kids were small, we used to tell them when, they, when we would pack all five of them up and <coughs> drive about six or seven hundred miles. And, you know, when one of them said, he touched me. Or, what you going to do when you got a small car and pack with five kids? But anyway, I'd have to look back there and say, hey, adjust your attitude or I'm going to adjust it for you. Yes, sir. But over time, when you get to be 17, 18, 19, 20, that don't necessarily work anymore. Amen? But what God wants is for you to choose to adjust your attitude. He wants you, when you have the freedom as an adult to do as you please, God wants you to choose to please Him. Not forced to, choose to. Yes. Okay, chapter 9, I believe I asked you to look at verse number 12 again. I believe I did. You're going to bear it alone. You'll have to bear it. And remember what it said in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 1. He says, when the time comes, that calamity comes, and it will come. Trouble's coming, and it will come. You're going to be having issues and bumping into things, and things are going to happen, and always going to be something going on. And God is going to look down, and He is going to laugh at you because you laughed at Him. And he said, fear is going to come. I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to be in this situation. Okay? So, 
Let's see. I think I may have one more verse I need you to look at. Look in chapter 14, 14, chapter 14, and verse number 6. The Bible says, A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. Can you explain that verse to me? A scorner seeketh wisdom. Aren't we supposed to seek after wisdom? Aren't we supposed to diligently pursue it? But a scorner is seeking after it and cannot find it. So, he's not willing to pay attention. He's not willing to be corrected. He's not willing to have receive instruction. And so he is wanting a solution to his problem without God giving him the way to that solution. He wants it without the, the pain of doing what's right, right in the situation. Okay? You understand? Okay? So it, it is important that we understand that when you get in this situation in chapter 14, verse number 6, a scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not, but knowledge is easy to him that understandeth, meaning that, you know, I understand that God has designed that I need somebody to guide me and to teach me and to correct me. And it starts all the way down here. Right. This, this, this right here, it, it, it's when we start trying to form in that child's heart and mind the absolute necessity of respect for authority and respect for instruction and receiving instruction. That is absolutely critical. Some of, sometimes what happens to that child who's been disciplined and corrected, well, it's important that parent maintain a good walk with God so that hypocrisy doesn't poison right, the discipline right. that you put into that child. It's true. That's important. Okay? Uh, my dad was not a saved man. But I promise you, my dad and my grandfather, they they did not allow, my dad did not allow me to disrespect an adult. I couldn't do that. And we weren't saved people. We didn't even know God. But he told me how to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And he also told me that when I went to school that I'd have to pay attention, that it wasn't an option, that I'd have to bring home good grades, that it wasn't an option. And I had enough fear of him to believe in him what he said. Amen. So when I and I made good grades in school, and he didn't know how to read and write, but he made sure I knew how to read and write because he wanted me to go beyond where he went, and I appreciate that. Yeah. But when the first time that I sat in church and heard a man actually preach the Bible while I'm sitting with some other buddies that I used to run around with on Friday and Saturday night, and they're sitting in the service with me. They're not really paying much attention, but I had learned to respect authority. And I didn't have a problem sitting in church and listening to that man preach and receiving what he had to say just like I did in, in school and just like I did from a police officer because my parents had put that fear in me for authority. And I appreciate that. Amen. I do. Now, that didn't mean that I would respond necessarily to what I'm hearing. But I thank God I did. Yeah. But, I, but I'm saying that it helped me. 
And so why do you think this whole nation is almost about to turn upside down? And you got kids in school that absolutely have absolutely no respect for a teacher. That it's chaos in a classroom. The teachers are quitting right and left. Officers uh, are are mocked. Where are you, are you blaming the kids? Are you blaming on a mom and dad who has absolutely no respect for authority in the Word of God or no fear of God, and who will not take the initiative to try to restrain and train their children to fear God and listen to authority? So it starts way down here. You know, the 22-year-old didn't just wake up all of a sudden hating authority and despising instruction. It started way back here. So we have, but it, it, but as we get older and things happen to us and we get an angry spot in us, we get a hurt spot in us, you cannot let that fester right. and turn in and making you a scorner. You can't pick buddies and start hanging around people that that are ungodly and give you bad advice because I'm just telling you, man, bad stuff's going to happen. Yes. And the Bible says if you'll do what's right, God will see to it that the work of your hands will prosper. Yeah. I'm not talking about getting rich. I'm talking about prospering. Yes. Yes. God will make sure that, that, that everything begins to work together yeah. to yeah. help you. Okay. The scorner. If you're a scorner, I pray that God will, number one, touch your heart. That you'd, I don't think you'd be here tonight if you were a complete, bona fide, 100% scorner. You came here tonight to get some help. But don't let it develop in you. Don't do that. Don't let it grow in you. Look at it. Hammer that thing before God and say, God, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be like this. Forgive me. Forgive me of my pride. Forgive me of my anger. Forgive me, Lord, of resisting instruction when men love me enough to help me and try to speak to me. God, help me. Forgive me. Yeah. That's the first step right there, man. If you'll do that and acknowledge the truth, God will begin to send people into your life that will be a blessing to you. Amen. And you'll embrace the people then that begin to try to correct you and help because you see them as your friend, not your enemy. You're going to have a hard time advancing at work. You can't take instruction and correction. Right. Amen. 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 You ever have to deal with any knuckleheads on the job, brother? Quite a few. And you can tell in the attitude many times of whether a man can, you can tell him something, whether you can. Do some of them bow up when you speak to them? Yeah, you can sit in their face, can't you? Yeah, you can. You sure can. Same thing with our children. All right, let's go. Father, thank you for these good folks. I love them. God, please protect us from this character that's described yes. so well in the book of Proverbs. Help us to be wise, man, not to sit in the seat of the storm. Deliver us, Lord, from our wicked, selfish, rebellious nature. We love you and we need you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. God bless you.